when I first started the Young Investors Club, I had no idea of what the ratios would be of like male to female members. And I think it's like interesting, like a data sample to show other people. So interestingly enough, about 50-50 was the male to female ratio in the Young Investors Club. Half the people were boys, half the people were girls. And I think that that shows that there's no like difference in interest in investing early on. There's just as many girls and boys that are interested in investing. There's some kind of shift where in the beginning, everyone starts out roughly equal, boys and girls want to go about investing. But then later on, there's some kind of shift. I'm not sure exactly what it is. That means like not as many girls go into the finance industry or other industries as they should. Welcome girls to the Get Up Girl podcast, where we are making you live your fullest and fun life. My name is Joanna Vargas, and every week I will pour into you with my stories, tools, and fun radical candor. I believe that when you ask better questions, up-level your habits, and get freaking real, you will have a happier life. If you're looking for more fun, more magic, and more joy, you're my girl. This one's for you. Are you ready? Let's create your dream life. Welcome back to another episode of the Get Up Girl. I'm really excited for today's show because I am here with an 18-year-old entrepreneur. How did I get so lucky? Because Jack, you remind me of myself. Everybody, this is Jack Rosenthal, and he is an 18-year-old entrepreneur. I really have so many questions for you because, Jack, I'm really intrigued by, and I'm not sure, are you a Gen Zer or are you a millennial? or a plus? I, believe, I believe I'm a Gen Zer. Yeah, right. Okay. I think the... The cusp is maybe they're like in their early 20s right now. So I would love to hear from your perspective as an entrepreneur. You have created, and I want to get this right, the largest teen investing club with almost 100 or, uh, you know, close to 100 members and 120,000 in assets. And I want to learn all about that. And you're the author of Teen Investing, the book. Here. Yeah. I. Is that on Audible as well, Jack? That is not on Audible yet. We're working on some deals with a publisher to try and get that on Audible. But right now, that's only in print version. So it's print and it's also on Kindle on Amazon, Teen okay. Investing. Perfect. Love it because I would love to get even more of a perspective. But let's go into some rapid fire questions, Jack, and then we're going to get into the meat of the interview. First question is, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Armonk, New York, which is in Westchester County. Uh, basically the suburbs of New York City. So about 40 minutes from Manhattan. Everyone knows where Manhattan is. And right now I go to school in Boston. I'm currently in my house in New York right now. I'm home for summer. Um, but during the year I go to school in Boston, which is at Babson College, which is about 20 minutes outside Boston. Wow. And what is your favorite book besides your own? <laughs> of course, besides my own. Um, my favorite book. That's, oh, I really like, it's actually not an investing book. I like The Great Gatsby. Interesting. Okay, so it's yeah. not a self-development book. Got yeah, it. Not candy, a I guess. Surprise. Well, just because there's so many self-development books, and I really like a lot of them, but like sometimes the fictional stories, you know, they kind of got like a level beyond that. Totally. What is your favorite quote, Jack? Favorite quote. Uh, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Oh, okay. I like that one. All right. Last one. When you, when you pass, Jack, what is one word that you would like people to describe you as? I don't know. Intelligent. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough one. That one took me a while. I don't, I still don't have an answer, but anyway, let's jump into it because I am curious, how did you get into entrepreneurship? How old were you? What was the journey? 
Yep, got into entrepreneurship when I was six years old. I launched my first business, coolpaperplanes.com. We got a great domain name back then. And what I had is I had a business selling paper airplanes over the internet. Uh, We sold 70 paper airplanes for a dollar each. So I made $70 over the internet at six years old. And I was handcrafting the paper airplanes. It's really cool because it was a passion of mine at the time. I was the first, I think, first person ever to sell paper airplanes over the internet. And how much was the shipping on that? Like more than the, the plane, right? So what we do go, we send them in an envelope. So okay. we got smart about it. We, paper airplanes, very yeah. tight. you can just fold it up and put it in an envelope. So yeah, that's how we got around the shipping. Genius, Jack. Now tell me about your parents or who who uh, brought you up. I mean, what did they think about all this? Yeah, so I have a little brother um, and me. And we both raised in the same household. I was just about the same household, same food. But one of us is really interested in entrepreneurship and business, and the other one couldn't care less about it. All he wants <laughs> that to do sounds is- like my sister. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. no, it has nothing to do with the family. Right. It really has to do with just the way you are, the way you're born. Yeah. So my brother, all he wants to do is just play football, and I live and breathe entrepreneurship and investing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as far as my family, my dad owns an investment company, so that might have got me a little bit interested in investing early on. But it wasn't really so much him. That got me interested. It was more my grandfather. Wow. So when I was eight years old, so after I started the business, six year old, at eight years old, my grandfather set up an investment portfolio for me when I was uh, eight. And he said, Okay, Jack, here's some money. You can decide what stocks you want to put in and how you want to play around with it. And so I made my first uh, stock investment back then. I've been investing ever since. Funny story is when I first got started investing at eight, those first, like I made, I think it was like a few thousand dollars and I made 16 investments in different stocks. And those 16 investments actually did poorly. So it taught me a lesson really early on about yes. what not to do with the stock market. I learned a few different things from that. One is you don't want to diversify a lot. You want to find a few strong baskets and go all in on those baskets. Hmm. So what I realized is I picked a few winners, but I choose 16 different stocks. It was impossible to choose 16 different winners. I should have spent more time researching a few different stocks that I thought were going to do really well, which is what I did later on. And I ended up losing not much, like 4% that year, but it really stung because it was a big portion of the money I had at the time. Wow. And uh, anyway, then ever since then, I've been investing in stocks and I've done a lot better since then. And uh, But that was really important for me to learn that lesson early on because it helped me a lot later on in life when I had more money I was dealing with. Did you build your first website? Uh, so I was six years old. So I think my dad had to help me with the website. Uh-huh. I don't know if I fully knew how to read yet. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, no, that website was built by dad. I think the first website I built was some kind of other website, but I forget what it was. So up until this moment, how many businesses have you had? Oh, it's too many to count. I mean, you know, you don't count really the failures because no one, no one remembers the failures. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like 25, <laughs> but okay. Wow. Um, so I guess just going off successful businesses, I've had like a few. So when I was 12, I ran a vending machine business. That was really cool. I ran that business for three years. So every single Sunday, you know, obviously during the week I was busy with school, but every single Sunday I'd go restock a vending machine. And I earned $50 a week every week for three years doing that. I had to buy the vending machine myself, which cost $1,700. I repaid that off in less than a year, borrowed the money from my dad and repaid it off. And uh, and then I owned the vending machine free and clear. And I ran that business for three years. It was a great business for any teenager I'd recommend. Vending machines are so cool because they they're like an online shop or like a physical shop, but you don't have any employees. It's like an automated shop. So really great business. It teaches you a lot about like, okay, if I place different items, different places, which one's going to sell the most? You can really get like more advanced in it. So I ran that business. Um, 
And then I ran some internet businesses later on. I ran like an Etsy shop and made a few thousand dollars from that in one month and ran some other and ran some eBay businesses, ran a whole bunch of different businesses. But, uh, but lately my latest project has been the book. I, I never knew books could be a real business. <laughs> no, no one ever told me that when I first launched the book, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I put the book up on Amazon in 2019, the late 2019. And, uh, since then the book's done really well in the teen investing category. I think people really like it, it was written by another teenager. There's yep. some other teen investing books when it first started out, but none of them were written by other teenagers. Yep. So, so mine really kind of took over that niche in the market. And, uh, yeah, since then it's become the number two best-selling book on Amazon for teen investing. Your teen investing club. Now, what is the name of that? Is that an app or how does that work? So, okay. Long story with that. So the young investors club is younginvestorsclub.org. Okay. It's on an app. The website um, is an organization. I started when I was 14 years old, started with just one member me. Uh, and we, the reason how we grew that is we partnered with a larger parent network. So this was a very large parent organization up and down the East coast. And uh, started at the bottom person that just kind of kept going up and up and up to finally get to the decision maker who to prove or disprove whether the Young Investors Club would be allowed on their platform. And what being allowed on the platform basically means we get included in these blast emails they sent to all their members as a service to their members. So after six months of going through decision makers, I finally got the Young Investors Club approved on their platform. That first year, my freshman year of high school, we got close to 20 members and over $20,000 in assets in the portfolio. Um, then by the time junior year came around, we had close to 40 members and $40,000 in assets. And then by the end of junior year, I decided I really wanted to grow the club. I was like, okay, we have 40,000 assets. I have something somewhat significant here, but I really want to take this to be the biggest and the best that it can be. So uh, we went very heavy recruiting that mode that year. I brought in some other members to actually help facilitate all the recruiting because we would get emails every single day of people inquiring about the club and uh, having to have phone calls with parents and explain everything, be turning mm -hmm. more than a one person job. Mm -hmm. So by the end of that year, we went from 40 members to close to a hundred and over $120,000 in assets, making us the largest that I'm aware of teen investing club in the country. Educate me. So you bring all this money together right now. You have about 120,000. Do you invest all together for them or do they each individually get to choose what they would like to invest in? They invest all together. So the group makes decisions for the whole group. So we have quarterly calls. And then on those quarterly calls, we decide how we're going to allocate the whole portfolio. Um, and just one quick note on that. So that was something I did in high school. By the end of my senior year, when I left for college, I said I always wanted a high school to be running the club. So I passed the club off to another high schooler who's actually helping me facilitate and recruit the club. So just like I said, I brought in some members. He was one of the people that I brought in. And, uh, and he continues to run the club to this day. He's the club's president. I'm no longer the president. I'm no longer an active role in the club just because I went to college and I didn't want a college kid to be running a high school club. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's the whole story with the Young Investors Club from start to uh, start to finish from zero to 120,000. For age, is there a restriction on how old they can be? I think you have to be 13 to 18. I think that's the ages. Okay. So once they turn 19, would they go into like another type of investing club or start investing on their own? So yeah, once you're 19, generally you don't have to, like you can leave your money just keep being in the club, but usually they don't really participate. Like your money will stay in the portfolio, but you don't really have an active say in managing it. Um, but usually what happens is when you turn 18 or 19, PIM members just take their money out. So they're a thousand bucks they put in, they take it out plus the interest they've received or the earnings they've received from the group investment portfolio. And, uh, and yeah, they just take that and put it in their own investment portfolio. Give me a, a guesstimate. Let's say I put in money, uh, I'm 14. By the time I graduate, I leave, I'm 18. 
that $1,000, what could that turn into? Well, for me, I think it turned into $1,400. So about another $400. Okay. So about a hundred a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, is there a cap on how much money you can put in or a limit of how much they could, can they start with 10 bucks? No, no, you have to put in a minimum of, I think it's like 1100 now. Um, just because if 10 bucks, then it'd be too many members involved and too hard to coordinate. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the minimum is a thousand and there's never, there's never really been a maximum, but I think the most someone's ever put in has been like 5,000, something like that. Wow. Okay. Now for somebody as I, that's older, right. And, or maybe never really educated in investing, where can I start? Somebody that's listening and they also, they, uh, might be embarrassed because to ask these questions, like how much do you, I have no clue. What would you suggest? For where would you start investing if you're a little bit older? Okay. So say very first thing, this is the advice I give to all the teenagers inside my book. So very first advice is you need to bank your first $5,000. That's what I say you need to do as a teenager. Now, I know like at first, like, oh, $5,000, it sounds like a lot of money to a teenager. Well, it's actually not if you think about it. If you work a summer job for 10 to $15 an hour and you work a few hours each week during the summer, you can easily have a few thousand dollars saved at the end of the summer, especially if you don't spend any money, which you don't have to as a teenager. All your expenses are provided for already. Mm-hmm. So after two summers, you can easily have that $5,000 saved up. And I'd say the same thing for an older person. You can go work a job any day of the month and you know you can easily get that much. Like a little work. side gig? Okay. Yeah, I'd get or, or working at a country club, golf caddies, you know, can easily make, you know, a couple hundred dollars a weekend, every weekend. Yes, Jack. Wait, so Jack, when you say bank 5,000, you're saying save it up, make yeah. sure that you got a good five grand. Okay. Loving this. I'm taking notes. Yep. So get your first 5,000. Then after you get your first 5,000, you got to decide whether you want to be an active investor or a passive investor. So right. active, meaning you're going to choose a few different stocks that you really like and really invest and watch those stocks carefully to try and beat the returns of the S&P 500. Or if you want to take a more passive approach, which the majority of people do because they don't have time to invest in the stock market, put all your money in the S&P 500, which is the collection of the top 500 US companies, um, and just wait and keep your money there and just wait. Instead of keeping it in a bank account, put it there. And on average, you'll receive a return of 8 to 10% per year for the last 50 years. That's what it's returned. And it'll probably return the same amount for the next 50 years. So that's that's the majority of advice I give to 90% of teenagers that don't have time to invest in the stock market. Just take all your savings and put in the S&P 500 where it's safe from inflation and you get to be an active member or an active participant in the growth of the top 500 US companies, which are some of the strongest, best companies in the world. Jack, at the beginning, you said don't diversify, but then if you put it in the S&P 500, is that diversifying? Is that opposite of what you said? It is. You're, you're right. You did catch me in a little lie there. <laughs> so, so a few things. One, the S&P 500 is diversified, but yeah, that's why I'd say if you want to be an active investor and try and so what I was saying is I want to try and be an active investor. That's what I personally do, where I'm trying to beat the returns of the S&P 500 by choosing a couple different stocks. But I'd say for the majority of people that aren't trying to be active investors and just looking to passively invest in the stock okay. market, that's that's when you should be diversified in the S&P 500. There you go. Okay. Is there any course or person or book that you recommend? Because I'm highly interested. Like when I found out you were going to be on my show, I was like, oh my God, I want to learn everything. Cause I'm, I go through seasons in my life, right? I'm going to learn this. Then the next season right now, I'm all about investing. Jack, okay. Right. So I, I got to think about some good uh, ones for you. Um, okay. First of all, the book, I mean, the book is for anybody's young who's interested in getting started investing. Okay. 
Um, next, I'd say another great book is The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham, who is Warren Buffett's mentor. So that's a really great book. It really teaches you a lot of the fundamentals of value investing, which is a certain psychology of investing or a certain um, way of looking at the fundamentals of stocks when investing. What else? There's some great YouTube videos that have a ton of great information about investing. I'd say one of them is actually Meet Kevin. He's a smaller YouTuber. He's got like a million subscribers. But he's got tons of great, useful information on investing. And what I really like about his YouTube channel is he's just a genuine guy. He's out there just looking to help people. He's not really looking to try and the end goal is just to get everyone to buy his course. Like his end goal is just to help educate the whole world. Um, so I really like people like him. And there's tons of others that are great at you know teaching investing advice. Um, as far as courses, I can't think of any that come to come to mind in particular. I mean, I have an investing course, but it's mainly for teenagers. Mm. Um, I don't know. I haven't really seen any great investing courses. I think the majority of it you can learn from books and from videos. Okay. This is really great. Okay, Jack, from your perspective, being a, a Gen Zer, what have you noticed? Do you think there's a difference in the generations of how we think of money? And if so, like, what is it? Yeah, I'd say the biggest difference is uh, cryptocurrency. So cryptocurrency is totally not accepted by people like my grandfather. The guy that first gave me my investment advice, he wouldn't put a single dollar into cryptocurrency. He, he thinks it's the same thing as burning the money. Like you might yeah. as well be throwing the money in the trash. That's how he yeah. thinks of it. And so do every single other older person that I know. Mm -hmm. But I'd say younger people, they're so used to like, like even my credit card. It's an Apple credit card, which is on my phone. Like the whole idea of currency is now just all digital, all the money in my bank is a digital money when I look at it. So I think it's the same thing for, um, for a cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is a lot able to be more accepted by Gen Z and millennials who really like understand digital currency and the idea of something like being digital that could still have value makes a lot more sense to them as opposed to, you know, the older generations, which need to see something physically in order to, for it to have value. Jack, do you think the future of cash will be gone? And if so, when do you think that'll happen? I don't think the future of cash will ever truly be gone, but I think we're already seeing more and more of it just getting eroded by credit cards. I think the second that credit cards start to link up with cryptocurrency, that'll really be oh. when the US dollar starts to like become much less relevant. Right now, all the credit cards are based on dollars. So like the majority of sales are just all through dollars. But once companies start, once people are more accepting of cryptocurrency and once like retailers start to accept cryptocurrency as like a payment option, then it could start to really overtake the dollar. But I'd say that's many years off in the future for the time being, the dollar is still going to be the strongest uh, form of currency in the world. Hmm. Do you see a difference in females to males in how they invest and like mindset? What have you noticed with that? So, okay. So this is an interesting question because when I first started the Young Investors Club, I had no idea of what the ratios would be of like male to female members. And I think it's like interesting, like a data sample to show other people. So interestingly enough about 50-50 was the male to female ratio in the university club. Half the people were boys, half the people were girls. And I think that that shows that there's no like difference in interest in investing early on. There's just as many girls and boys that are interested in investing. I think later on, there seems to be some kind of fundamental. I don't think it's as like, um, you know, majority in college, people do what their friends are doing. Like, for example, in my school, all the boys study finance. That's that's what all yeah, the that's cool thing. And that, that's a cool thing to do for the boys. So, like, yeah. if, you know, if you want to be with your friends, you got to go to the finance classes. So that actually has a big shape on people's careers. So I'd say it's like a similar thing because it's not like as accepted or it's not as generally done for girls to go into finance classes. So they're not going to really be with their friends there as much. 
people don't like to be like isolated. They don't like to be the only one. So there's some kind of shift where in the beginning, everyone starts out roughly equal boys and girls wanting to learn about investing. But then later on, there's some kind of shift. I'm not sure exactly what it is. That means like not as many girls go into the finance industry or other industries as they should. That is interesting. You are right. I never thought about it that way. What about banks, Jack? What do you think about banks? And then what's your favorite bank, if you don't mind saying? Because I am currently moving everything and I'm going all online and I'm like so into this. What do you think? <laughs> so, okay, banks. I mean, banks are interesting. I think a lot of them have gotten away with taking advantage of their customers for a very long time. Way too time. long. Yep. Very, very long. low interest rates that they're receiving. And I think a lot of people just bank somewhere because that's where their parents banked. Yep. I'll admit that I'm guilty of this too. Like, you know, my grandfather, when he set up the Fidelity account for me, that just used fidelity because that's what he used like it was just set up that way and i'm not yep. going to go through the whole effort of changing because the fidelity knows that so they're willing to pay yep. a lot to that customer um so i'd say fidelity as far as trading accounts i like fidelity fidelity is actually good it's just as good as any other trading platform out there it doesn't charge very high fees or anything like that something you have to be careful of is Robinhood, even though you know it's in the news and it's the favorite app of gen z and people say it's free trading it's actually not free at all they charge money on the trades so when you're buying a stock for $110.16, it actually costs $110.15 and Robinhood is keeping that one cent difference. So they're not taking direct fees, they're taking indirect fees and that's how they make their money. Let's say that's almost dishonest fees. Like they're trying to hide the fact that they charge fees, but they actually are charging a big amount of fees. And oftentimes that's more than the fee you'd be paying someone else. Whereas Fidelity has very, very low fees. And I'd say it's a lot more cost-effective. As far as banks, I mean, I just keep my money at Citibank, but the majority of my money is not even in a bank. So it doesn't really matter that much. Um, as far as my Citibank, I mean, I have a savings account. It doesn't, doesn't earn that much interest. I just kind of use it more as like a checking account just because I need to quickly move money in and out of things. But majority of it's just all invested. Hmm. Okay. For somebody that's like, what the heck is cryptocurrency? They know it, they've heard of it, but they're like, what is it really? Explain it to me. Like I'm not a robot, like I'm a human. How would you explain it? Yeah. And how can somebody get started, Jack? Yeah. Okay. So it's funny because a year ago I'd be on sitting on your side, like blaming me what cryptocurrency what the heck is. It? Um, so for, this is how it was explained to me. It is a digital ledger. So it's an online ledger that records basically all the transactions of a certain coin. Um, so anybody can kind of look in this, in this database of like, who's the owner of the coin. It's decentralized. It's not relying on any one person, like a bank, the banks control all the money. They know who has what money and where it is mm -hmm. with this. It's like an online database. The internet controls it. No one person controls it. So it's decentralized. So it's not relying any, upon any one government. It also doesn't allow the government to print more money. Those are the two advantages. So one is not relying upon a government and it doesn't, uh, the government can't print more and more money. So with Bitcoin, there's only 21 million Bitcoin. That's the only amount there ever will be in the world. Ever? Even ever. the future, Jack? Even the future, yes. So there's like- We have 12 billion people on this planet? We have 12 billion or 100 billion people. Yeah, it just shows wow. you how valuable you can get. Just like land. You can never produce Ooh. any more land because that land keeps going up over time. Same thing people assume will be with Bitcoin. As there's more people, more people will need money. Bitcoin is, there's never been going to be any more of it. So just over time, you can expect that the price will just keep gradually rising. So, um, so yeah, those are the two advantages to it over a traditional currency. It's limited. So you can't get affected by inflation, basically. When government okay. print more money, inflation can happen versus with Bitcoin, that can't happen or other cryptocurrencies. Okay. Now, if I want to get started, where would I buy it? Go to Coinbase. That's the simplest one for me. They charge a little higher fees than some of the other platforms, but it's very user-friendly. And I think the majority of people should just set up a Coinbase account. I made some money in Coinbase, um, and I think it's actually a very simple one to use. So Coinbase. Hmm. 
Coinbase.com. Is that what that is? And you can just- yeah, Coinbase.com. It's the recent company just recently IPO'd for $100 billion. Hey, nice. Big company, not going anywhere. It's not trying to scam anyone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So Bitcoin is, so it's just like an NFT where it's going to keep going and you can see who owned that certain Bitcoin. Is that what that is? Yeah. So Bitcoin, it's like an online ledger. You can pretty much see the whole transaction history as far as which wallets own which Bitcoins. And I think like right now they can actually see which wallets have the most amount of Bitcoins in them. So like it's all just imagine like everybody's bank account was just like public. It doesn't say the name of the owner of the bank account. You can see how big everybody's bank account. You just know like, oh, the guy with a hundred billion, that's got to be Bill Gates in it. Um, So it's like the same thing in cryptocurrency. So it's all online, all viewable. And uh, yeah, and you can't print any more of it. So it's not susceptible to inflation. So you're able to go and see everybody who owns Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? You can't see the names of the people, but you can see how many coins are in the wallet. Got it. So out of the 21 million, you said, or billion? 21 million. 21 million. You can see out of the 21 million, how much is divided? I think, yeah, you can definitely see the top owners. I think it like kind of cuts off after you get to such small increments because there'd be yeah. there's millions of owners. Um, but yeah, definitely the top ones you can see. Got it. Okay. But then there's also other companies or people that are creating new Bitcoins. Is that correct? Yeah. So those are the Bitcoin miners. So of the 21 million, only like 18 million have been mined. There's still 3 million more mined that have yet to go. Okay. And the way the mining works is there's um, very complicated computer algorithms that mine the Bitcoin. They have to like solve very complicated math equations. And once they solve the math equation, it unlocks a Bitcoin. And then usually the miners will just go to the open market and just sell the Bitcoin. Interesting. Okay. Now in your book, Teen Investing, do you also talk about this? What are some of the topics in the book? Yeah. Okay. So the book was written kind of before this whole crypto boom. So it was written in 2019 when not as many people were talking about cryptocurrency. And to be honest, I wasn't as interested in it as an asset class. I didn't see it as something that'd be long, long term. I didn't see it as something that'd be like around for the future and millions of people would use it. Um, But anyway, I was wrong. So I admit when I was wrong. So I'll probably be coming out with another book soon. Mm -hmm. about cryptocurrency and about like how teenagers can invest in it. But as far as what I talk about in this book, teen investing, so I go over a few different things. One, I go over index funds, very important. Difference between stocks and bonds, how teenagers can go about earning that first $5,000 that I talk about as necessary in order to start the portfolio. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a Yahoo Finance deep dive. So basically, if you're looking at the fundamentals of the stock, here's all the numbers and metrics that I look at when I'm personally analyzing the stock. So basically passing all that information to other teenagers. Yeah, what I look for in stocks, the metrics and what they all mean. So not just giving you definitions, but giving you what I look for, what I want those numbers to be for it to be a healthy stock. And a little bit about my story with the Young Investors Club and uh, some other things. But anyway, that's the book. Are you on a podcast tour right now? Like, I am, yeah. 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 Okay. You don't have your own podcast then? No. No. Okay. Is that something that you've thought of? Or are there other ones that you would you know, recommend for us if we're like, we want more of Jack? Yeah, I probably should start my own podcast um, as a way to help promote the book. Right now, I'm just going on other people's podcasts, leveraging, taking, stealing their audience. Yes. <laughs> um, but hopefully, it provides some value to the audience too. And yeah, other places you can find me. I mean, you can follow me on Instagram, starsocial.pro, if you want to just follow yeah. me on Instagram directly. There's some other podcasts I'm on. I was just on one earlier, but those won't be out for a while. So I don't want to say them and then they're not out to people to look at them. But yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, starsocial.pro. For your Instagram, is that, are you, I was not sure. Is that for marketing or is that? Yeah, that's, I know it's like, Hey, what's this? Is that other another business you're doing? 
Yes. Yeah, so as, as outside of all the, all the stuff we talked about, I also run a marketing business where we help uh, businesses do their social media. And yeah, that's been a really successful business. I've run that for two years now. I run that with a, um, actually a mom in Long Island, mom in Long Island. And we run that business together and that's been a really successful business over the last two years. And, uh, just continuing to run it throughout college because the pitch is really simple. It's like, you know, adults don't really understand social media, but they own businesses that need to be on social media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a college, as a previous high school student, now college student who understands social media better than a young person. So that business has been really, uh, really cool to grow. Anyway, that's my business's Instagram account. But if you want to shoot me a message or stuff, you can just contact me through that. Okay. Other than that, best way to get, find out more information about me is go get the book on Amazon, Teen Investing mm-hmm. uh, by Jack Rosenthal. And then also you can get out the book Teen Entrepreneurship, which is my latest book all about teen entrepreneurship, also on Amazon by Jack Oh, so you have two books. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, I have two <laughs> books. Yep. I don't have oh. the other one next to me here, but uh, it just came because it just came out a month ago. But yeah, okay. Teen Entrepreneurship is my latest book, which some people are saying is even better than the Teen Investing book. So you wow. should go check out both books. Now for your marketing uh, social media that you have. Do you also do ad spend purchasing yeah. for these? Wow. Yeah, we do ad spend. So like, I mean, I'll give you an example. We do like a retail store in Boston. Picked okay. them up as a client when I got to Boston uh, as a freshman. And yeah, we they spend $2,000 a month on Facebook ads and we spend that for them. And we generate usually a return around 4000 to 5000 a month in terms of revenue for their online store. Online store. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Ooh, that's good. Okay. My wheels are spinning. This is really good because like you said, like I'm on Instagram, but I just, I've been on social media since MySpace, Jack. Right. But it's changed so much. Yep. You guys are like four times faster than we are. And you know what, Jack? I mean, from our Gen Xers, it's like, there's a little bit of, um, I'm going to call it jealousy that we're like so jealous and I, none of us are saying it. You know what I mean? I'm like, I love the Gen Zers because I want to learn everything from them. Like, teach me everything, because even though we feel like we can't go fast enough, we grew up half of our lives with no cell phone and half of our life like so freaking fast and it's exhausting. So what advice do you have for us? Here, let me maybe I can look at your social media profile and give you. (laughs) Here we go. I'll give you a live live on it. All right. Well, I mean, you're you're, out of followers. so That's great. Um, you're using it to grow your personal brand. I mean, I like what you're doing on social media already. You got cool content there. I'm sure you got someone you hired or something to do the content for you. No, I do it. You do it all on your own. Okay. Even better. You create those graphics. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. I got to pay people. See, that's the thing about me. Like <laughs> I'm good at the social media part, but I'm not a graphic designer. So that woman who works for me, she actually oh, she does that part. Yeah. I'm the salesperson. Um, so let's see. Okay. Your engagement can use some work. So you got like 11, yes. like one post. So, okay. How, how, well, how'd you get the 2000 followers in the first place? Organically since the okay. beginning of IG. So what you could do is a few things. One, what I would say, okay, cool. A couple of things. So when you're bringing on a guest like me now, obviously I reached out to you. So like you didn't have to try and convince me to come on the podcast, but in order to convince other guests to come on, I would say behind like every single podcast episode, take a quick snippet of it. I'm not, I haven't seen you've been doing a lot of that. Like take a snippet of the podcast, post it on your Instagram. So people could see like a 15, 30 second quick clip of it. It'll encourage people to go to the podcast. And then I'd also put, 
$20, $30 of ad spend behind the podcast because that'll generate behind the Instagram post because that'll generate like 10,000 views or something like crazy like that, okay. or maybe a few thousand views. And if you say, well, each podcast we put out gets 10,000 views, even though it's through that ad spend you're doing on Instagram, that'll help attract even bigger guests to come on the podcast, which will just keep growing the podcast over and over. That's a really cool strategy I've seen some podcast hosts do. So take a little okay. snippet of the podcast, post it on your Instagram and Facebook, and then put some ad spend behind it so that it reaches more people in the target demographic. Those people get to go see it. And it's a yeah. benefit for the um for the pop for the interviewee because they get more exposure. 30 bucks only. You think that's enough? I mean, look, I'm still learning. So I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, I would say 30 bucks because if you do it for every single podcast, then that could add up. Yeah. Um, and I don't, yeah, I say 30, but you don't need like much more than that because you're not also trying to sell any product yet. If you want to start and sell products and there's going to be a return on you financially, then I'd recommend spending more. Like if you want to promote your membership program or something like that, then definitely spend more because you get a financial return in the back end. But yeah, if you're just doing it to promote yourself and get more branding, I'd say just 30 bucks is fine. Ooh, Jack, that was so helpful. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Like I hopefully said, I some, hopefully you got some value out of this. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Anytime. Seriously, no joke, Jack. I'm like with the young ones. I'm like, teach me everything. I want to learn everything, you know, I'm not like this. Like, no, we know better. No, I don't teach me. <laughs> well, side note, Jack. Now this is honestly, because I know I have so many girlfriends would think the same way. Have you thought of teaching the, I'm going to call it quote unquote, older generation, the, you know, late thirties, early forties that are like, yeah, teach us. Or yeah, we're not working on that because what happened is I was talking to a publisher yesterday. She said, Jack, you know, like you're going to age out of this teen investing <laughs> thing pretty soon. Like you're 18 now, you have like a year, oh, yeah. left, a year and a half left. And then you're done. You're no yeah, longer yeah. a teenager ever. <laughs> Just scary. Like I'm never going to get to be a teenager again. That's crazy. Life's passing by. Um, but yeah, so they were saying like, okay, you should think about doing a college investing book or like a twenties to thirties kind of age range investing book. So that's definitely something I'm thinking about coming out with in the future. That's great. Like I'm thinking like an entrepreneurship for dummies, but yet look, I've been an entrepreneur Jack since I was your age and I still, I'm feel like I'm losing it. I'm like, I lost my mojo. I was ahead and now I'm going backwards and that's what's frustrating. Cause it's like, everything is tripling and going faster. I'm like, are you freaking serious? When I was in my twenties, I was hot. It was so easy to sell Jack back in the day. You could sell anything. Now it's like, it's much harder to get people's attention. Right? So yeah. It's much harder to get people, but on a positive note, there's still companies selling millions of dollars of products every day. So they figure out where there's yeah. a will, there's a way. Yes, Jack. Exactly. I'm like, somebody's doing it. I just keep doing my old entrepreneurial skills like with a twist to it. And I'm like, I got to start all over. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you just have to incorporate like social, we take the same principles and just incorporate them into social media or online advertising. Yeah. God, this was so helpful. I hope everybody listening, I know they're going to freak out about this show. Like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Jack, where can everybody find you? I know besides the social media you told us, do you have your own website? I don't have my own website yet. That's another thing we're working on trying to set up, but you can follow like my Amazon author page, which I'll give you the link in the show notes. But yeah, you can just find my books on Amazon. Just type in my name, Jack Rosenthal, and both my books will come up at the end of both my books. I include my email. So if you guys buy the book, you can shoot me an email afterwards. Okay. Um, just let me know what you thought of the book, get in contact with me. And then of course you can follow me on Instagram too, starsocial.pro. I'm definitely going to buy both of those books. I'm really excited. You know what? I really like Amazon's new author links. I just discovered those. Those are really yeah. cool. Yeah. They're really cool. It's a great way to like have your own web page. Like I don't need yeah. a website. I just have that one link and then I could just send that to people and that has mm -hmm. all the books on it. 
Yeah, Audible has that too. Really love it. You can go down a rabbit hole on your authors. Well, thanks, Jack. This was phenomenal. I learned so much. I feel so fired up. I hope everybody else listening is fired up too. Thanks everybody for listening. And remember to get back up. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode and know of another girl who can benefit from this message, please share it with your girlfriends and tag me on Instagram at Joanna Vargas Official. I love your DMs. Also, I would be honored if you'd take 30 seconds and give the Get Up Girl a five-star review. I appreciate and love you all. And remember, girl, to get up and live fully.